Today on Talk About That, I ponder the invention of hush puppies and join an exclusive club. Then John has a crisis of limitation and we chat about what really makes a bad driver. Plus, a conversation about suffering and hope. Today's episode is not sponsored by There Goes My Euro, purveyors of fine Greek cuisine. Let's do it. It's another Monday, another episode of Talk About That. I'm John, here with my best friend, Johnny. Oh, that's so nice. You bought me lunch today. Yeah, but it was one of those weird it things where weird. they brought it and the they put it all on one check. And, and then, you would have had to go through a whole thing. And I was like, I'll go ahead. And you'd be like, no, I'll. And I was like, but I ate some of your wings. And you're like, yeah, you did. You did. And then you were like, it was only two wings. It just takes two wings to fly, Johnny. Take these broken wings. I took and, your broken wings and I ate And them. learn how to get a free lunch again. <laughs> learn to eat so free. You know, have you ever had the wings? Laura make wings for the game sometimes where the drum... And the wing or the flat, the drum and the flat are still connected. No. Yeah. So you break them apart. No, you just make eat a it. wish. You just eat it like that, but it's really two wings and one, two, two, two wings and one. It's pretty That's... spectacular because I might have the same number of those, right? But in actuality, I've had double, and I don't know why I can't lose this weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there's moments like that. That's when you know you're a Total, like, you've got a problem with food when you're, like... Analyzing what I just said? Yeah, it's the... No, it's the, the, the thing, your food experience, you're like, you know when you're having french fries and they just have put an onion ring in? Isn't that amazing? And you're like, you got a problem. <laughs> you... It's not amazing. It did happen to me. It was an onion ring. Oh, yeah, yeah, just they're scooping in there. Like, ooh. Oh, free onion ring. Yeah. Look who's a big winner. How long has that been laying in the bottom of that, you know, huge vat of boiling Onion oil? rings are... The worst thing probably for you, right? Man. French fries. It's got a vegetable inside. Which so does French fries. It's not like. what you're eating, though. It's like it's a the ring. Like have you ever like you take one bite of onion ring and then whoop, the whole onion comes out. Now you just have this breaded thing. You go, well, I'm eating this. I got like, to. It's not like, <laughs> well, I got the onion. I'll set this aside. <laughs> you go, no. Now it's time for the good stuff. Yeah. What I came for. Yeah. Well, you could deep fry anything. Yeah, it's like I remember as a kid figuring out like what hush puppies really were and you're just like this is just cornbread that they somehow made worse for you because yeah. cornbread's already like That's it's cornmeal but then they go hey let's uh yeah. you know let's bread this let's put you know tons of oil and butter and lard and whatever you put yeah. in cornbread but then they go what if we threw balls of this in the deep fryer now you got something well you know where it came from supposedly no it literally was to hush the puppies up okay so the dogs that beg at the table this was like the extra batter that fell into the oil. Right. So there's no real, there's nothing inside it. It's just batter. You know, What's the, still not good for your dog, though? It hushed him because they got diabetes and died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just lays in the corner now. I don't know. He's been there for a while. <laughs> I, just, I think it's a great, I, I don't know if that's just folklore, but why else would they be called hush puppies? But why are the shoes called hush puppies? Remember the dress shoes called hush puppies? That was the other thing. You took your shoe and you, and you smacked just... it. If the cornbread fritter didn't work, you're like, you get back over here. That's funny. Why would you call the shoe hush puppy? Is Maybe it's because they're quiet shoes. Because, you know, dress shoes can be really loud and squeaky. Maybe these are like a, so whoa. You sneak up on your puppy without them waking up? 100%. Like, to do what? I don't know. <laughs> give them, them the beating of their life. You give me that spare change. You're upset because they've taken your cornbread And you shake fritter. them upside down until the hush puppies fall back out. They will. Wait. 
Every time. <laughs> so I did a thing last week. I've not talked about this for a while because yeah. I was waiting to see like if it was stupid or whether I'm a genius. Oh. But I am on TikTok sometimes, and oh. you'll get these things. The algorithm kind of figures you out like what you watch more of. And so what I watch some of is like hacks, like life hacks. Yeah. And so now it sends me all these life hack accounts. And some of them are stupid. You're like, this doesn't fit my life. I don't care. Even if it does save me time and money, like I'm not going to do this. But this one, I was like, is this true? And I went on, and sure enough, it's true. You, <laughs> this sounds, you're going to laugh. You can join AARP without being – like there's no age requirement. Really? And you can save a ton of money on your travel reservations. And so I am a proud member over the past couple of months of the – American Association of Retired Persons. Wow. And uh, what's the fee though? There's there's a twelve dollar a year fee. That's it. For your first year, and I think it goes up to like thirty dollars a second year. But I thought I'll give it a year and I'll cancel it. I'll at least save twelve dollars. Sure enough, I've been booking my hotels and rental cars through AARP. They have their own portal on Expedia. That's no an AARP portal. And you can pull up only their discounted rates. Wow. So I've saved like ten, twenty percent on some things. You know, it's not like been a ton of money yet, but it's like, and I keep waiting for them to ask for the card. Be like, uh, um, you will give you an ARP rate because I look so young. <laughs> That's my, but no one's carded me yet. So it makes me think maybe I look pretty haggard. So see, this reminds me of our television idea. Like you're going to have to start dressing up like an older person. Right. Just wearing to, makeup just to get the 10% discount. Yeah. Some places it's more than 10, but um, I get the magazines now. You know, like the stand up for your rights. It'll be like a front cover. It'll be like, you know, stand up for your social security benefits. And, it, and I'm getting that in my mail now. So it's kind of like, I don't know if this is worth the savings oh, to now be associated with. You're a part of the lobby now. Yeah, I am. I'm like one of their big people. They're like, we got to. We got to get Johnny's Johnny out to talk at this next convention. And it may well be. Pound his hands on the table. But if you're out there and you're, this is something like I'm a, I like, I like shopping for bargains on things like this. Yeah. Cause like I'll spend for an experience and I'll spend for like, oh, this is what it costs, Johnny. Like if you want this guitar, you got to pay this for this guitar. It's right. a nice guitar. That's fine. But if it's like a rental car and it's this sliding scale of like, if you bought your rental car two days later, you would have saved $300. I can't stand stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. drives me crazy. So this AR, I was like, maybe I found like a, I found a way, and it's not cheating. They really don't have a rule. It's just people don't join it because of like the negative stigma associated with being. Because yeah. people always say that uh, the dreaded day came. I got my first AARP. Right. You know, they start spamming you. Yeah. At a certain, they know they kind of generally know your age because mm. that's the thing. We people know things about us. Oh, you don't want to know what they know, but they know. And even private people like us that don't put anything out there to the public. Yeah. We know, guys, we know what you're doing. We <laughs> you're taking you. this podcast somehow. We see you when you're sleeping. And you solicited Johnny for AARP, and it worked. Yeah. Not a sponsor, but should be. Like, now, so look at what we're giving them here. That's true. The millions of listeners around the world. But I just, it is, it's like the, what am I going to save? A couple hundred bucks. And I wonder if it's worth the weirdness of like being, but now I'm telling everybody about it. So clearly, right. I don't know. Have you seen the commercials for AARP where they say, AARP where they say you don't know ARP? Yeah. If you don't know your savings, you don't know ARP. It's like they're trying to rebrand. Remember when uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken became KFC because nobody yeah. wanted to say fried? Yeah. So now it's like, we're ARP. Yeah. Because AARP, just, you immediately imagine an old person playing golf. But when I hear ARP, I imagine an old person having some sort of medical emergency. ARP. Like, ARP! You know? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, and both could be true. Like, I don't know if it helps. I don't, I don't have a preconceived positive yeah. association with the 
it's not a real word, but with even the way it sounds, ARP. Yeah. Sounds like a, something a, a, a sounds like something you would give a hush puppy to. Like a French Honestly. dog, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how give him a, instead of ARP, it's like ARP. You know, and like he's yeah. Like, it's like an long R. Our dog Ace, who is a Bichon poodle, so he's oh, two right. French breeds. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be neutered soon. Oh, he's not neutered. No, and so he's starting to. He yes, he all get over a the house. Rowdy. Well, he's rowdy, and he's and he marks still. Oh, okay, I didn't know crazy. that was. He's related. trying to mark, and the the vet said this is totally testosterone. Like, yeah, he's just you know marking territory. But he lays on his back mm-hmm. with his legs flat in the air, and I'll just say it like this. He lays like he's very proud of himself. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah, this is me. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah. You know. I'm out here and I'm loving every minute of and it. So when we, <laughs> we first got him, he laid like that. Laura said, paint me like one of your French dogs. I told you about that, right? <laughs> paint me like one of your French dogs. <laughs> and I laughed, Johnny, until I cried. And to this day, to this day, it still gets me. Because um, yeah. it's, a, it's a perfect joke. It really is. Yeah. For me, anyway. I don't know if it's a perfect joke for a comedian. Well, it's a, my no, bad. stop. Come on. Sorry. Listen, yeah, you're over there running not, through all your filters no, right now. No, there's no filters. Was, John. Well, you know I have no filter. I don't know if I don't know if it would make it on the stage or not. It's, that's Johnny's internal monologue, by the way. I don't know if I can. Oh. Wouldn't it be funny if, like, you're very articulate on the outside and on the inside? No. You say something funny, and then Johnny makes That's, this brilliant joke. You're not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. I'm doing my second um, drive bar special next week, next weekend. Pretty excited about it. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what is going to go in and what order. Because it, it can't be from the first, but there's a lot of jokes that are, like, connected to those other jokes. And I have to do these jokes that are, like, separate standing, freestanding yeah. jokes without the others is like this scaffolding around right, it. Right, yeah, because you build up and, yeah. So it's going to be strange, and I have to make this freestanding set list and get it, and then I have to memorize it all, whereas mm-hmm. I'm used to doing these in a different order, so it'll be a good challenge. But I'm always fascinated by the comedian's mind because you guys do memorize a lot. I mean, it's like acting. Yeah. You're, you, you but some of it's like muscle memory after a while where you you could be doing it while someone's punching you in the face. You're floating above your – we talked about that before, yeah. like even a sermon illustration. If you know where you're going – you're kind of floating above yourself. You're like, I wonder if Chili's is open for lunch anymore. Do they just open for dinner? We need to get, oh, man, my dry cleaning. Like, And you're telling mm-hmm. a story, and you're just not in the story. Sometimes I wonder if the audience can tell. I can do that during worship, especially. Yeah, because yeah, you've done it. That's true. That's probably what a worship leader would do. It. It's like, because yeah. you know exactly where the song is, where you're going. Yeah. But that's kind of, that. I would say you're not in it. You're not really worshiping. Oh, my gosh. Right? I got called out. No, I actually told a story Sunday about that when my life sort of began falling apart. My people-pleasing ways sort of came to roost, and I was talking about – I was reading this book about a – specifically for men, but it's talking about like there's this – there's a moment in a man's life when he reaches what's called crisis of limitation, mm-hmm. and some call that the midlife crisis, but – I reached it at age 10. It's, it was crazy. Uh, it was not – I knew immediately this is as far as you're going. Johnny. Well, it's where you suddenly have to grapple with the fact that you can't do everything that you think you're capable of. Yeah. And then the other part is, is some things you used to do that worked no longer work. Oh, that's tough. And so I remember like I was telling the church, I was like, I remember for whatever reason when I was a youth pastor all those years, whatever bad thing came – and maybe some of it was my own – just you know, personality. Maybe some some of it was using my personality to manipulate a, a situation. But I could always sit down. We could talk it out, communicate. I could share my heart, and I'd come out smelling like a rose. It was just you know, just felt like it just always worked out. And then I remember the day it just stopped working out. Yeah. And I was leading worship, 
And I was thinking through every section of the church. It was very rare for me. All these families had these problems and these issues, and I was a part of them. It's usually they had problems and issues. I'm not really a part. I'm, I'm here to help. But, like, there was something they were offended at or confused about related to me. Oh, yeah. And I was thinking in my head, as I'm leading worship, probably saying things in between songs, uh-huh. but I was also thinking, like, okay, that person, I could probably help that out with a phone call. That person, a really well-worded email, I can probably solve that one. And then that person is going to require a sit down, like a hard, you know, this is going to be a night killer. You know, this is going to be a long conversation. Yeah. And that's when this goes to another layer where within my own inner, inner monologue, like I really felt, I'm sorry, listener, I struggle to say that, that God speaks to us sometimes, but then I struggle to not say it yeah. because what are we doing if we never hear from God? I just think if you do hear something that you think is from God and your internal whisper, his internal whisper to you, that it needs to be measured against scripture and it needs to be lived out in community. So it could have just been that you ate some bad pizza could be that that's what you want to hear. So I don't trust that voice without vetting it in other places. But this one I think was, was pretty true. I heard this like whisper in my heart that said, Hey, I'm letting more things happen to you than you're going to be able to fix this time. Mm. It was like this. Oh, but it was a, it was a helpful. It was like, okay, so now this is all going to not be as easy and and I'm, I don't have to be surprised. Yeah. Like I'm now expecting it not to be as easy, and it wasn't. And you know, but the deal was, no longer did all of the things, all the tools in my bag. It was time to change them. Like that was not the season. I was, I was not going to be the young guy doing. I wonder that which part. What do you think I am? Do you think I'm an email? Or I'm a sit down. I'm a phone. call. I had a family come up to me after church who's been through through the whole. They thing. wanted to know. And they who wanted they to were. know. They were like, "Okay, what was our thing?" You know, I was like, "I don't think it was you, you guys." You're thing, a you know? carrier pigeon. I would construct a note, <laughs> and then just, just send wish it. for the best. Yeah, it's funny though. I mean, well, I would be a, I would be at least a phone call because we've had a relationship. So you wouldn't expect to be like, "I'll smooth this over with an email." You wouldn't try that with me. That'd dear, be very like dismissive. Dear Johnny, before we continue this podcast, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to address a few issues with you. No, I mean, it was just a, it, we're kidding. We had 120 kids. Uh-huh. So there's a lot that could go wrong. And you just, it was almost, I don't know. I think about all the times that you and I were on buses and in vans with kids. And the fact that, I mean, every time when I was driving a bus with 50 kids behind me and, and they're like, I felt the weight of it. And like Literally, I, like some I, of these kids were heavy. They, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I can't imagine. That's why I didn't get my CDL. Like when I first came on staff here, pastor was like, "Hey, if you want to get your CDL, yeah. then we could really use the help." With saying, I was like, "Not a chance." Yeah. I, I I kept making excuses up. Like I never wanted to feel like unhelpful, you know, look unhelpful. Right. But I deep down I was like, I ain't getting that CDL. It was. Uh, I you know I like I'm probably a little bit of control freak like I feel better when I'm driving usually yeah so there's that yeah which I don't know why I'd you're always sit- like come on jump in here big man yeah. you're always like whenever we show up and we're gonna take one car it's always your car because you're like come on jump in here well I'm probably gonna go faster than you which is good I'll be the one to get the ticket like I'm, Johnny I live on the edge bro you know that I don't think that's it you don't think it's it I think it's total control I think you're a great driver I don't have a problem look there's some people. Uh-uh. You just I'm don't want to get in because they're bad drivers. But I'm happy. I'm happy to ride with you. Isn't it interesting that everyone thinks they're a good driver, though? I don't the, think I'm a good driver. No, no, no. But I'm thinking people who are bad drivers don't necessarily don't see that about themselves. Yeah. Because who would ever? Because like it's almost like a, it's a huge. It feels like a character flaw, but it's not really. 
But I guess it kind of is because what do you what do you think a bad driver means? I think a bad driver, like a dangerous driver, or some people think you're a bad driver if you're just a slow driver. They mm. they think they're being careful, and you go, God, you're a bad driver. I do kind of now living in a large metropolitan area, like overly careful, like afraid a, to make yeah. a move. And I'm training Sadie for this. Like the safest thing is not always the slowest thing. The yeah. safest speed on the interstates with the flow of traffic, honestly. Yeah. And there's different lanes for a reason. Even if that's 85, 90. So, look, if someone's, going, if someone's going 65 in the fast lane in Nashville, that's dangerous. Yeah. Like people are flying around them. Like you got to move. In, so I don't want her to be aggressive. Okay. I want her to be assertive. Okay. That sounds want, like your position on feminism too. I want. <laughs> I don't want you to be, listen, it's okay for you no, to want me, rights. Let me tell you something. <laughs> but I want a sandwich. <laughs> So those two things are eventually going to collide. I raise my daughter to be a strong <laughs> individual. Strong. Um, and the deal is, though, I want her to know. Yeah. And I'll tell her, like, look, if some car is riding right beside me, yeah. and you know where, if you're in Nashville and you're listening right now, if you're not, this can apply. You understand you probably have something like this in your own city unless you live in the middle of nowhere. But there is a section where Nashville's weird because three interstates converge here. Right. So 24, 40, and 65. So we're a hub, and there's like a circle around the city where all these interstates, you know, sort of come together. And there's a section when you're heading out to Hendersonville on I-65 North where you just come off of Briley Parkway. And for you're, – you're right there at Dickerson Road, mm-hmm. and it's about, I don't know, six, seven miles before you hit where 65 heads on up north towards Kentucky, and then it splits off towards Hendersonville and Vietnam Veterans Parkway. That six-mile stretch we call – the redneck autobahn. Yeah. Because people get on there and it's suddenly like you're in a different country. Yeah. We're all no gonna rules. go ninety. Yeah, it's the Hunger Games. And it's like it's 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 yes, kill or be killed. And so when I get yeah. on there, Sadie even knows like that's when I go from one hand to two hands on the wheel mm-hmm. and like and I gun it. Because the safest thing to do there is to get out of the way or stay away from I mean the people who are going to weave in and out. So yeah. it's like, hey, if we're right next to somebody and they stay in my blind spot, that's not safe. It'd be better to go fast and get away from them or go slow and let them go around you. But don't ride right there. When so, I was on my scooter, my big scooter that we had for a couple of seasons, my thing was, and what I always read on blogs is, don't hang out in somebody's blind spot. Right. So like, you could be like, hey, I'm just riding. We're, we're in a two-lane, but it's all good. I'm beside you. Like, Don't do that because they don't see you, and nope. you have no protection if they sideswipe you. No. So like, just don't hang out there. Either go way past them, go ahead and gun yeah. it and get past them, or, or lay back. But like, I see people hang out in my blind spot all, all the, time. the time. And you're just like, what are you doing? That's a bad driver. Make a decision. Yeah. If you hang out in someone's blind spot, you're a bad driver, in my opinion. Now yeah. you can be trained. I'm not. It's not a judgment against your. You your, can be trained. <laughs> like, here's just, a hush puppy. Just thought, yeah. Here we go. Uh, or here's a hush puppy with a shoe. Yeah. Um, one thing I did notice the other day, I had to ride in someone's blind spot. Yeah. I was trying to get around, but there was no way. And I noticed they had a newer vehicle, and on the the right side mirror, there was a little light that was indicating I'm right. in their blind spot. Yeah. And I had this. I was using their blind spot mirror. To comfort myself that it's okay to stay they, where I right. am for, they for see a moment. Me. Yeah. So I let technology. Because even if they go to signal, if they have that signal, it won't let you. It'll go boop, boop. It'll right. warn you. Because mine has yeah. that. And how's it go again? Boop, boop. <laughs> Dude, I know how to listen. I do other impressions, yeah. but that's the best Wow, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. It's stellar. Yeah. I'm going to put that in the dry bar show. Pretty but, excited. But I became it. a worse driver because I felt the mm-hmm. soothing comfort. 
do you, of technology. Do you blame a lot of people uh, for your problems usually? Is that normal? Is that uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, he made me a worse driver, Mainly Your because it's, it's their fault. I don't know what you so – I can't be held responsible for all of this. I don't know. But, yeah, I, it is interesting though. Like I've known some bad drivers – and uh, what did they do? Yeah, define they, it. Um, to me, a bad driver is someone who uh, is not attentive enough. Like, um, I don't want to name people. So, <laughs> no, I got to know. They <laughs> <laughs> would they know who they are? That's question one. Yeah, they you know. Think? Well, no, they won't know. That's the thing. Do they it's listen like, to the podcast? It's like the church gossip will come up to you after the service. Like, I'm so glad you taught on gossip. Oh my god, sister so and so needs to hear she that. To hear she wasn't so even bad. here because she's never here. Do you know what happened in her life this week? Oh my goodness! Have you seen the new wig? Uh, Good grief, that lady! Thanks for the sermon. But she's a sweetheart now. Oh my goodness! Bless her heart. It's no, her, her heart's great. It's her hair. Heart's great. Her hair needs some help. Um, <laughs> but no, like it's about like paying attention before you back out of places, or uh, it's not necessarily like. But yeah, a, a, a really painfully. Uh, Unaggressive, unassertive driver is more frustrating to me because yeah. I'm just like, like my brother will drive with me sometimes on trips, and he's a good driver, or I wouldn't let him drive because I couldn't. You can't, you can't. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're in a car and you're like, hey, you want to take a shift driving? And you're like, I'm not going to be able. I'm to. I'm not going to rest. Yeah. So I'm just going to drive. Yeah. He's not that. But one time we've taken trip a trip, and he had just gotten a ticket, and that's the worst time. To have someone sharing with you, right now he's because all, now they're overly yeah. paranoid of getting because you don't get two tickets in a row, right? It's the worst. Not you're like now I'm the ticket guy, right? So <laughs> I'm just gonna be on the lamb now. <laughs> I have all these points on my license. So like it was a week after he had gotten a ticket, or maybe yeah. he got a ticket on the road with me. I think we've gotten warnings three times because right. we said something to the effect of like. Like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm driving my brother. He's a comedian. Oh, really? Hey. And then I lean in, and then like I, one time I even gave a cop a DVD. <laughs> and then my brother's like, "You Man. bribed a cop." Well, it, he'd already decided to give me the warning, and uh, I gave him like a little download card hey, or something. Listen, hey, as long as we're doing this, as long as we're being <laughs> transactional here. <laughs> hey, thanks for all the great work you guys are doing. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so. He's gotten a couple of warnings with me, but I think he'd gotten a ticket back home, and then we were on a trip, and it was just like he is just gripping, and we're going like five miles under the speed limit, and I finally go, dude, yeah, we're never, we got to go to Wisconsin, we're not going to make it, yeah, please, and then he finally started going ten over, but that again, that's not that's a me thing probably, sure, because it's not like that saves you that much time. What you know, ten miles an hour, and we're going five hundred miles. You might shave ten minutes off the trip, but it it did bother me. And I did make a note of saying it. It probably irritated him that I said something because he's like, dude, what do you want me to do? Just like gun it. Are you going to pay for my ticket? That's probably what he was yeah. thinking, which I get. And, and no, like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, if, if he gets caught, it's going to be his fault. But I have gotten tickets before. Like there was a time when I first started driving where I got like six tickets in a row. Right. I remember this. A couple of them were. I, mean, I don't remember this, but you remember you telling me. Well, I, in my 20s when I met you, in my early 20s when I met you, I was still in that string of getting Traffic violations. A lot of moving like, violations. I was consorting with a known criminal at the time. Yeah. It's very. There were insurance companies that said, we can't insure you anymore. Oh, wow. In my early 20s. Uh, and uh, I told you about, well, you knew the, you knew me when we did the one thing where I got my license suspended. Yeah. Or they, they said, you're suspended until this hearing. And I go to the hearing and then they said, you're on probation. Yeah. For six months, you can't get a ticket. It was a year. And if you get a ticket within this year, you're going to – we'll take your license away for a year. Wow. And then I got a ticket. 
Oh. But I went to traffic school and got it torn up. So it was like an in-school suspension. So they never saw it. you could only drive inside the traffic school. Yeah. But yeah. Isn't so it funny how sometimes they say you're going to suspend it, but traffic school is like yeah. grace. Like it I, just wipes it off the record, man. That's, and I don't know if every city has that. I'm telling you. Traffic school saved me many times. Well, that's in, tra- in traffic school is technically called defensive driving course. Yeah. So they're teaching you to drive the way that we don't like. Right. Very. Yeah. Like you're very. Yeah. Right. And so, See, which we would say we drive offensive. Uh, well, again, assertively. <laughs> we're, playing, we're playing for points <laughs> over here. Okay. It is, I got to Longhorn 10 minutes before you. Touchdown. It, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is funny how like. I'll be wonder, going, women don't do that. Men do that on trips. We're like. We didn't stop to go to the bathroom this whole yeah, three hours amazing. or whatever. Yeah, we're we just won. gonna we're gonna keep going. Like your your wife and child's bladders See, and shambles. I don't do that because my wife needs to stop a lot, and I'm just giving into it. Like yeah. I look for the next pilot. But when she when they when you stop and then they get out to go pee and they come back with the big gulp. Do you then go? You're like, what? What are we doing? Just reloading. Just reloading the cannon here. No, I go. See, I like it. So when I wrote the book for Mr. Haslam, you know, yeah. that's when I really became like. Well, that's why you like it because those books are in his pilot stores. You're like, I can't. Yeah, I'll stop at a pilot. Let's go here and see it. how sales are going. Well, listen, hmm. They're not in there usually. Oh, okay. They, I don't know why they took down the display, but they do have that coffee machine. Yeah. Where they it grinds the beans for you. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not very, a coffee guy. Very so. fancy. So I'll go in and get like – money, bro. Yeah, and then I'll send Mr. Haslett a text a lot like, hey, you know, it's funny. People send him texts when they go to pilots. So I'll be in, hey, I'm in Kentucky. Here's, you know. And he'll go he'll, – he'll say – he doesn't always respond, but if he does – He's like, we, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I, I have my 300 stores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be like, he'll be like uh, was the bathroom clean and was the staff oh, okay. Kind? Yeah, he'll always – he wants nice. to know if the staff was attentive and the bathroom was clean. Wow. He asks you. Isn't it interesting? Like, that's how it should be with every job, but kindness. I think it matters to me more. There's an old quote that I think about all the time now where it says, uh, when I was young, uh, I was impressed by clever people. Now that I'm old, I'm impressed by kind people. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. I worked with um, Kevin Nealon um, two weeks ago that's from you. Saturday Night Live, yeah. and uh, I got last-minute word that I was going to get to open for him. And it was just a two-man show. Which is really cool, and uh, you know, I grew up on that cast of Saturday Night Live was my cast. That yeah. was the because we talked about that before about SNL. That everybody thinks SNL is terrible now, but it was great when you were in high school. Right. Everybody, everybody, every generation does. thinks SNL the best SNL was, which we're five years apart. So your cast would have been Will Ferrell, Chris Farley, Chris Rock. Yeah. Uh, my cast was Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, Victoria Jackson, Eddie Murphy. No, I remember Eddie Murphy years. That was 83, 84, 85 when he was there. So I remember him, but the main cast was when I was in high school where I watched every week religiously was when the Dana Carvey years. But that's Kevin Nealon. He was like the glue guy. He was always the guy you could plug into a sketch. It would make it funnier. And he wasn't always always well-known for his character. He was on there 11 years. And so it was so cool to get to work with him. And I'd heard ahead of time, he's so kind, you know, because my buddy Brian Bates has worked with him several times. So I was kind of ready a little bit, but I thought, you never know. You meet your heroes. But he and his wife came with him, too, who's an actress. I didn't know this. She was on Parks and Rec. She was a character on Parks and Rec. Do you remember the episodes where, about the uh, the candy heiress? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's the candy heiress. Okay. So that's his wife. So she was like above cr- crazy, over-the-top kind because Curry was with me, which I don't normally take her. It's a sold-out show. So I was like, all right, Cur- Curry wanted to go. She's like, I want to go to this show. I go, all right, but I don't want to like you know make any weird sudden moves and be like assume I have a seat. So you may just have to sit like at the bar or something. 
And she goes, that's fine. I go, because I don't know if I can have you in the green room. I don't know what his green room rules are going to sure. be. It's a small green room. I don't know if he's going to be like, can we keep this area clear? But so she was with me when he showed up with his wife. And she's like just effusively just going around. What's your name? Who are you? I'm, and she's introduced. And then other people would come into the room and she'd go, this is Johnny. This is Curry. Like she remembered Curry's name. And then Kevin's just so nice. He's kind of low key getting ready for the show. Yeah. But he was asking questions about our marriage and how long we've been together. Like it was so over the top kind. Wow. And it was it really made a difference. I was like, not not that if he wasn't funny, I wouldn't be like, yeah, but he was a nice guy because he was hysterical. But it was just that thing of like, he doesn't, he's talented enough. He doesn't have to be this nice anymore. And he's still just a good dude. And that's yeah. really impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, I think the things in life, it, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, we talked about that Sunday a little bit, this idea of we really want to measure who we are yeah. based upon what we accomplish and what we do. And that God's measurement of things is he may, he is certainly scripturally more concerned about who he is forming you into yeah. than he is about what you're going to do or where he's leading you. Right. Where, what are you becoming when you get the success? What kind of person are you going to be when you get it? Yeah. Or more importantly, who are you becoming in the failure regardless? Yeah. Like the, the, I was reading this morning that uh, we, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance. Yeah. And like I was going through this and I was, it's one of these like roll your eyes with God kind of things. You're like, you know, I was going through the process because there's some suffering in life, you know, and it produces endurance, produces, endurance produces character. And I was like, uh, you know, anytime someone says, my dad would say that, you know, adversity produces character, you know, and you're just, you're just like, when you're young, it just sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. But it's like a cycle, like character would give you success because you've built this character from adversity and failure. So now you get this character. People want to be around people of character. So then you get success and success makes you lazy. Yeah. And you lean on your personality, your talents, which creates failure. Yeah. Which creates, it's like, it's like this thing. Like nobody ever gets to success and is like, we did it. And now I'm this, like, it, if you're not careful, it's like uh, Pat Riley talked about it when the Lakers won their first uh, championship in the 80s and 80, well, it wasn't the first, but the, the one where they did back to back. He had this thing he would talk about in training camp called the disease of me that happens to players when they win one championship. Yeah. They come back, they want to renegotiate their contracts. Yeah. They start looking at their individual stats now because like, well, I got the ring now, so now I can right. really like, I need more playing time. I need the shoe deal. I need the commercials. Right. And so it's so hard to repeat, not just because it's hard because everybody's gunning for you, giving their best shot. It's hard because of your internal struggles. Yeah. And so success is not, it's a terrible teacher. No, it is. And as I think the character that scripture keeps going, it doesn't produce, <laughs> it's funny that you'd say character produces success. What, what the Bible says character produces is hope. Okay. And hope does not disappoint. Uh, one translation says, hope does not put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Like the whole point of this thing, a person, and that's where I was telling Andrew this morning. She's saying I should strive for success because that's my hope. Okay. <laughs> well, I was like, I get the endurance leading to character, that's for sure. And there's no path, there's no easy path to build character. Right. Like it has to go through some kind of suffering or some sort of adversity. There's there's no yeah. there's no path to muscles without a way. Yeah, Dave Ramsey used to talk about uh when you give your kids inheritance, but no like money sense of where the money came from or how you yeah. earned it. He's like, if you give them just like money with no, that's Paris Hilton yeah. versus somebody who's like, 
I made you work a minimum. Like I knew kids who were wealthy growing up. Like my movie theater job, my first real job, there were kids there, and a couple of them were wealthy, but their parents insisted they work minimum wage jobs because they worked minimum wage jobs when yep. they were, even though they could have just given their, here's an allowance, here's your money, just sure. stay out of trouble. But they knew like this will produce something in this kid. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're not doing anything for them. And those employees were the worst. No, they were actually, they were actually good ones. <laughs> it didn't work. I always wonder, though, I mean, does character – I think the reason character produces hope, and this is what I told Andrew this morning because it's very strange. It's not like, oh, I have hope. It's more like, wow, that guy was really like, oh, I have hope. <laughs> it's more like um, – and this is from a book I was reading too – that there's a moment in life, again, when that crisis of limitation happens where yeah. – a person now doesn't pray because they think they should or it's the right thing to do or they think it might improve their life. Like at that point, they pray because they're so desperate they can't survive yeah. without reaching out. And so like – and that's not anything you graduate from. Like the ones who really grow in character yeah. become – we talked about the Apostle Paul before like at the be- chronologically at the beginning yeah. of his letters – the the closing always the closing started with the least of the apostles, which sounds like a really humble thing to say. Then chronologically, he always called himself something at the end. By the very last letter, chronologically, Second Timothy, I think it's Second Timothy, he calls himself the chief of all sinners. Like he his life in Christ had moved him from just hum, like that's another level of humility that you can't contrive. Yeah, he, he was more aware of his brokenness. And so, like, there's this moment where I think the hope for me is character Bruce's hope that I go, I don't have a hope that this is all going to work out anymore. Like, that's that's the that's a 43 year old reality. I don't have a hope that whatever we're going to do is going to succeed. I believed because most of the things I did did succeed. You that's know? our show, everybody. So, like, guys, have a great day. <laughs> um, but things were things seem like they succeeded easier. Yeah. Remember how when our band didn't take off. No, what, what was that? I know, yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like we didn't get famous. We were shocked. Yeah, because especially when we actually had good songs and a good recording, it was like this. What the world owed us that? But, we but, felt, but yeah. we're talented and and we're good guys. This is the crap they play on the radio. Why can't we be that crap? Right, <laughs> our stuff's better than a bunch of stuff. Like you go into this, yeah, and you're entitled for success. You kind of expect things to happen. Now, it's not. There's there's the difference, and, and he talks about this in this book, like. You can go the other way and become the bitter old man or woman yeah. who you you learned this crisis of limitation. It hits you, and instead of like going through that process of character and endurance and hope that leads you to keep reaching out and relying on the strength of another higher than you uh, and continue – at that point, if you dream, it takes courage. When you're not expecting it to all work out, now to go put yourself out there, it takes a lot. A lot of courage. I've even told Laura that a few times. Like, it's a weird thing for me to say because I consider myself a pretty brave guy. There have been things I've had to pursue in the last two, three years that it's taken flat out like courage inside because mm-hmm. I don't have this, this like, you know, right. It may not be okay, and I have to do this right, anyway. This bubbly, euphoric sense. This is all going to work out. I know. Yeah. I may hit another brick wall after another brick wall, and what am I going to do then? Am I going to give up, or am I going to keep going? Am I going to keep trying to do the right thing? And hmm. so now I have to hope somewhere else. I can't hope anymore in the outcome. So yeah. it's produced like a real hope. Like, well, this may not work out, but who am I becoming? Uh, anyway, just to. We hope you'll do the right thing today, listeners, and go to talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Oh, wow. That was a where you can big, find quick turn. 200 
over 200 archived episodes oh. to enjoy audio, video, uh, digital. I don't know what it is. You know, Bitcoin. Johnny's not our technical director. Uh, no, you can even go see our Patreon, kick in a few shekels, help us make more content. Uh, it's great. We've got a uh, marketing team working with us now. That's why you see more of our reels. If you see our reels out there, share the reels and like hey them. That's how more people see them. You've got to trick the algorithm into liking us, you guys. <laughs> Please. Because the algorithm... It, it wants to I destroy us. it's become us. self-aware. It wants to destroy us, it and has, you have to protect us. It has one mission to take down and talk about that. <sighs> Only you yeah, can help. Can prevent. Prevent. I don't know. Algorithm fires. <laughs> uh, you should... Hey, listen. This is a true story. Yeah. Like Johnny's Instagram... Got hacked and shut down. People are tired of hearing about this. Hey, guys, I'm not going to stop okay. until this wrong has been righted. All right. So right now, if Just right go, now. Hey, if, if everybody did that, that would, I don't know, we have we have thousands of listeners. So hopefully, yeah, if everybody did it, we could grow this thing back. Oh, my goodness. We could heal back. It, yeah. Could build back better. No, it's, you're, like, you're like a starfish that lost one of your limbs. Appendages. What do you call those things? We did that last week. We talked about lost limbs. What are you with the limbs thing? I didn't do that. You talked about the guy with his arms. You started, though, if I had to lose a limb. Try making that. I think about this. Try making that into a reel. Some of those (laughs) got dark. (laughs) (laughs) If you just took a 60-second clip of last week's episode, it was like, wow, these guys. Yeah. I'm going to blame you for that. Hey, while you're on Johnny's page, though, you'll notice that one of his friends, another person that Johnny follows... (laughs) You must just come right over and follow John Driver, too. That's true. It's John underscore Driver. Yeah. Sorry. There is a John Driver, but... This guy. He shan't be spoken of. No, Here's never, the name that never, shan't be spoken never of. Never again. Follow him, too, though. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. As long as you're following people. As long people. as he's putting out good content, I don't care. Yeah. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. I just want the best content out there, Johnny. That's right. And I just want it to be ours. Just want you guys to be happy. <laughs> and if that means you're with other people and you're following them, that's fine. I we, give us a chance. Yeah, give us a chance. It's fine. Um, hey, yeah, and, and also send us questions. We love it when you do that. Send us like – we get a lot, actually, of, of emails of people just telling us they enjoy the show or something that uh, – That's nice, too. It's great, yeah. And don't if, change a thing, yeah, people as you're say. Doing that, All you the time people are saying, don't change anything. Something you want to hear us talk about, you know, transubstantiation. I don't know. Well, There's all kinds of topics We could talk about there. that. I don't uh, care. Yeah. Sure. Are you ready to – No. Okay. I'm not even um, ready to spell it. Give some time to, to research yeah. that. Hey, um, also, uh, several of you have taken me up in my free book offer. Yeah. Uh, so if you are willing to leave an honest review on Amazon, um, I'm, give, I'm doing a book giveaway right now. So just email me at john at johndriver.com. And those of you who have, you should be getting your book in the mail pretty Beautiful. soon. And uh, thank you for doing that. And, and you know, check it out. But also leave us a review here. You know, mm-hmm. We'll talk about that podcast. Do the right thing, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Guys, it means a lot that you join us every week. It really, really does. So share it with a friend. And we'll see you next week, y'all. Talk about that. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.